Hello and welcome to the Pinnacle Podcast, brought to you by Pinnacle.com, the online bookmaker that offers you the best odds, highest limits and a unique winner's welcome policy. The wait is nearly over and the start of the new Premier League season is getting closer and closer. What better way to help you prepare for the upcoming campaign than a podcast episode with two men who work in the world of soccer predictions. Joining me today is Jake Osgathorpe and Mark Taylor from InfoGoal. How are you gentlemen? Very good, thanks Ben. Thanks Ben, nice to see you again. Good. You excited for today? I'm absolutely excited today. It's always the warmest day of the year, so uh, we haven't been disappointed there. <laughs> cool. Now, some of our listeners, they'll, they'll know a little bit about Mark already, given that he's written for Pinnacle for a few years. So let's start with you, Jake. Tell us a little bit about your background and why you're interested in exploring what data can tell us about soccer. Yeah, so um, I'm a massive football fan, have been from a very early age. Um, and in terms of data and, and football... Only really recently that um, that I've uh, got into it in a lot of detail. Um, I did my dissertation um, at university on football and gambling, and that led into obviously looking at how data can give an edge in, in gambling uh, and lead into this role at Infogol. And Mark, you've been in analytics for quite a while now, so just tell us about your experience. Um, yeah, um, I, I, I started off... Uh, much like Jake, just getting interested in the numbers, writing a blog, um, found out that there was an analytics community out there and uh, data was available and, and just took it from there, really. OK, so so both of you have been invited in today because you work for a company called InfoGoal who can do a lot with data and tell kind of users or customers about the benefits of data and soccer and sports. So can you just tell us a little bit more about InfoGoal and what it is you do? Yeah, so InfoGoal, it's a free downloadable app which uses an expected goals model to help derive predictions and betting tips for everyday bettors, basically. Um, So what we do is, in the background, we've got an expected goal model that looks at actual uh, underlying performances rather than actual results to sort of come up with the best betting uh, predictions for any given game. Uh, And I know we're going to go on to expected goals in a bit more detail, so I'll hand it back to you. Um, at, at, obviously, at another level, it's it, it's also a fan aid, a fan aid in that um, you can uh, da- if you download the app, you can see in real time uh, every shot that's taken, every every attempt that's taken, and th- this will be expressed in an expected goals figure. So you can see the quality of chances that your team's creating as the, as the game progresses, the quality of the chances that your teams uh, conceding, and you can get a feel for how the how the game's developed. Uh, that goes into a little bit more detail than, than mere shots and you don't have to wait till the, till the end of the game to, uh, to get an expected goals uh, map of, of every attempt that's been taken. Yeah, I mean, it's a great app. I, I use it personally. Obviously, there's, there's a lot of work that goes into it and I assume there's kind of more behind the app than you two. But, but Jake, what is it you kind of, your, your role at InfoGoal, if you will? Yeah, so my role is the front-facing, so I do all the content, uh, the analyst verdicts that we write for each individual match, tipping up um, the best bet for said match. Um, on infogoal.net, I write all the, the previews, uh, the blog articles, uh, analysis. Um, so yeah, my, my role is is content. I look after the model on a day-to-day basis, so running um, checks in, the, uh, in our user interface and making sure the numbers line up, um, and then looking for trends and um, like outliers and that sort of stuff that might make interesting reading for um, for punters. And then Mark, what's your involvement? Uh, I, I'm basically the model builder, so um, uh, we uh, Infogol is a product of Timeform. Timeform, uh, well known in the horse racing industry, 
they've been a data supplier since since the late 1940s so you know they've obviously got huge experience in collecting data analyzing data and using data uh, the, the the data is collected uh, at, at time form. Uh, then uh, it, it's it, it's sent out to me. I, I create the models. You know we we look at in uh, ways that we can use the data to you know to try and get insights into how teams play. Uh, you know who 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 who's likely to be improving. Who's 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 not, and just basically use the data to better understand you know the quality of teams. Now everyone listening, I'm I'm sure they're aware that there's kind of a lot of value in being able. To to predict future outcomes certainly in a betting world but also in a in a commercial world as well but what can you I mean without giving away the the secret source if you were what can you tell us about the InfoGold model and kind of where has it come from how has it developed um yeah uh, all all expected gold models are based pretty much on on very similar parameters uh, the obvious one is, is shot location where you know where where the shot was taken from you know if, if you shoot from the edge of the box you've got a less a less of a chance of scoring than if you shoot from the edge of the six yard box so uh, lo- location is one of the main drivers of, 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 of the cha- uh, of the likelihood that the chance will turn into a goal uh, whether you uh, whether you shoot or whether you, whether you had the ball so your shot type is also another uh, another common factor of, of all expected goals models and just phase of play how you know how how the chance came about you know whether it's from a fast break or you know from a corner or from a set play so y- you don't want to overload it with loads and loads of of, uh, of, of parameters because you can then predict, perfectly predict what happened in the past but you, you, your ideal is to make it generalized into the future so you, you, you don't know where fit your model and we kind of said expected goals it's it's been mentioned a lot and we'll kind of talk about it in a little bit more detail later but then the other things that that uh, info goal works with and it is expected goals in a way but non-shot xg or i think mark you've talked about xg2 in the past can you kind of tell us a bit about those uh yeah X- xg2 is 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 just expected goals from the point of view of the goalkeeper so uh expected goals normal expected goals it, it, it doesn't care what happens after the shot's taken so if it's deflected if it's uh, a strong shot into the top corner or it's swerving it, it, it doesn't want to overfit by, by by using that as a parameter in the model but obviously if you're trying to measure goalkeeping performance you know you want to you want to know something about the, the quality of the chance he's, he's faced and the difficulty of the task that uh, that he has is saving it so xg2 looks how how well a goalkeeper would expect to save a shot given the 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 post post shot uh, parameters sort of you know whether it's whether it's deflected which makes it more difficult to say whether it's you know it's a cross shot it's it's come from one side of the goal to the other it's heading for the top corner or heading you know straight for the keeper so xd2 looks at goalkeeping performance um not non-shot uh, uh, non-shot xg that is that has now started to appear um shots they they, they make up they make up a larger percentage of of the, of the data than goals but there's it still leaves 90 percent of you know passes stuff like that um possessions that, that don't actually result in, a, in 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 an attempt on goal even if you move like the length of the pitch and then uh, the the, uh, the the possession breaks down on the edge of the box so looking at non-shot xg you can look at how likely you are to score when you have possession at a certain point on the field so so that's possible that is that is definitely the next stage to you know to improve models and you know possibly improve prediction it sounds like xg is at the center of everything so lucky we're gonna we're gonna get onto that in a minute and i just before we kind of get off 
InfoGoal as a, as a company. I'd be interested to know from, from both your perspectives, really. You, you said at the start you were massive football fans and that kind of was what made you get into, into the industry or, or working for InfoGoal. Do you think your perception of sport has changed or what has kind of working for the company taught you about soccer? Um, I definitely say that my perception has changed. Um, before I was introduced to expected goals, the only thing as a as a uh, someone who, ha- who likes to have a bet, the only thing that I would look at would be recent results or and perhaps even shots in those games. Um, and then looking at expected goals, it's just a much deeper dive into data that is a lot more uh, interesting and relative to uh, trying to have a bet. So. If a team won four 0 the previous game, you might just look at it and think, "Oh wow, you know they play really well." But if you look at the XG and they were actually lost the XG battle three one, shall we say, then you might have a second look at that and think, "Oh hold on, let's just be a bit wary of them." Um, so yeah, it's definitely broadened my horizons in terms of football in general. Um, and now when I'm watching football, why are you shooting from there? You've got a two percent chance of scoring, sort of thing. That you know, um, watching Derby for example last year was pretty much that. Whenever they were on telly everyone was shooting from 25 yards and it, it does make you a little bit more aware in that sense um, as to chances of scoring and um, yeah it's just it's just made watching football and working in football a whole lot interesting for me it's it, it's all about sustainability of your process you know I mean we mentioned Derby there if uh, Derby were shooting from distance but they were also going in which is why they ended up in the in the playoffs but um whether whether that's a sustainable uh, process going forward uh, is 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 another matter. I mean, the likes of Tom Lawrence scored twice as many uh, actual goals as his expected goals uh, suggested he would. You know, through long range shots that, that were all going in. As as soon as they start, you know, returning to a normal level, then you know that 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 is you know when you get a better feel for how how good teams really are and and how efficient their process is. And is that lens for you, Mark? Is that kind of constantly on, or can you find yourself maybe sitting back and I don't want to say enjoying a game of football, not that XG de- detracts from that, but I, do you find yourself still being a fan of sorts? I haven't enjoyed a game of football since I started doing this. <laughs> no, no, it, it, it's it's difficult to switch off because, you know, you've uh, especially if you've, you know, you, you're watching a game that you've, uh, uh, you, your model's got a vested interest in to, you know, to see how things are panning out. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it certainly makes you watch games with uh, an added incentive that it goes the way you thought it might go. Right, let's kind of let's get on to uh, we'll call it soccer analytics in general, where we can kind of maybe discuss the the broader industry or, or things that are going on. And obviously, soccer analytics has, I mean, it's massively taken off in the last couple of years, as I'm sure you're both aware, with with companies like InfoGoal and plenty others popping up all over the place. So, why do you think it is now that that soccer analytics is becoming so big? Um, well, it's it, it's successful. It's um it, it's it's successful. I mean, uh, the likes of Liverpool won the Champions League, and it, it's it's well known that they have got a you know a very skilled and you know a quite 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 a large analytics team that you know do use these um, uh, these you know these kind of philosophies to uh, you know to make team selection to you know to, to drive out how the, how the team plays, and uh, it's 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 an integral part of Liverpool's success uh, certainly under Jurgen Klopp. Uh, in, in in the last couple of years, where Liverpool now are the only you know challenges to you know teams 
like Manchester City who, who can outspend you know every everyone. Uh, previously, it was money that talked, but you know money and smarts. You know you you can punch above your weight by uh, you know by by being a little bit more smarter and and looking for undervalued assets. You know I'm, I don't like to use the term money ball, but you know that's that was the philosophy behind money ball and uh, that you know there are avenues to explore using you not even particularly advanced analytics you know just just simple common sense jake from your perspective why do you think it is now whether it's it's teams or, or people in the betting market why do you think people are sitting up and taking note of, of soccer analytics um i think in both uh, from both perspectives you can gain an edge um like obviously if you're a club like mark says who hasn't got a lot of money and you're trying to bridge that gap between the teams that have then having a good analytics team can go a long way to helping you do that um, and just being wiser and spending a little bit more smarter, um, and then the same from a from a, a, a betting point of view. Um, that although bookmakers do include these sort of models in their prices now, if you've got a good model, you can still find an edge when it comes to finding a bet. Um, so yeah, there's there's an edge for for um, uh, for both of those perspectives. And then I guess if we kind of go back in time when a a term like expected goals didn't exist was there was there still an uh examples of analytics going on and people using them to try and find an edge um i've i've, I've well i've been interested in the you know in the in the, in the bet, gambling and betting markets for you know longer than i'd care to remember but I, the the stumbling block was always data you know i mean uh, e- even being able to get uh, shot numbers, you know, uh, shots on target, that kind of stuff uh, that's now easily available to anybody, you know, uh, uh, you know, with an internet connection was very difficult to get hold of. And the reliability of the of the data was also, you know, suspect in some cases. But I mean, pe- people who, uh, who are interested in football betting have always tried, you know, tried to get data to, you know, to, to give themselves a potential edge and, you know, to add interest to, you know, to the betting process. You know, it, it, it doesn't. You know, it, if it's enjoyable, it's you know, it, it's a bonus. Yeah, I guess gone of the days are of, of Charles Reap sat there with his paper yes. and pencil. Yeah, but I mean, Charles Reap is you know the, the 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 father of football analytics, so you know, I not 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 a bad word to say about anybody who tries to innovate. You know, you can always be proved wrong or not not quite as right as you thought you were. You know, in in, in the future, but anyone who starts a revolution, you know, is is to be applauded. You, I mean, data is obviously the big key there. I mean, you need it to be able to to get your edge, as as Jake was talking about. But I guess there there could potentially be seen as a problem of of access to data for say your average better. So I'd be interested to know: is there a way that people overcome that? Is it simply just download the Info Goal app and and use that, or if people want to build their own models or? Um, there's there's quite a few companies out there now. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're aware of all the you know the regular players in the data collection companies. You know that do provide raw data as well as processed data. So you know if if you do look that that you know there are avenues to you know explore your own uh, and and companies are always you know keen for people to you know to dip their toe into analytics because in the long term they you know they benefit if if you know talented people come into the business. So people will always give you you know data if you ask to some degree and then for those that that do have access to data or or money to spend on data as you said clubs and you touched upon things like maybe tactical awareness or or shifts and recruitment where is the i guess the sky is the limit but what are the kind of the key benefits of data to a football club say like liverpool um well well, not not specifically liverpool but um 
uh, I mean, I mean, goals are always the focus of games, and with ex uh, expected goals, chances then become the focus of the games. But that still leaves ninety percent of uh, of. Uh, you know, of incidents on the pitch that aren't accounted for, like, you know, progressing the ball, passing the ball, dribbling the ball, moving the ball forward. So if, if you can, you know, build a framework where you can, uh, where you can quantify, you know, possession of a ball on, on, on at any point on the pitch, you can start seeing what people that aren't either goalkeepers or, or, or forwards do in, in, if you like, the engine room of the, of the team. Uh, we're talking about, I know you're a West Ham fan, we're talking about Declan Rice. And, it's it's sort of suggested that he's he's not very good uh, at progressing the ball, but if if you actually look at where he receives the ball, the 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 non-shot value of the positions on the field when he, where he receives the ball, he receives the ball on the edge of his own box. He then moves the ball, you know, to the to to the middle third, and then his passes, you know, are received by you know by players in more advanced positions. So he he does move the ball even if it doesn't you know occur as a as a, as a final assist. So it, it, it's it's a more inclusive way of looking at it, you know. If, if you've got if you've got a, a rich vein of data to you know to include the whole, you know, every every player makes a contribution. So, we're, you know, we're, we're trying to find out what the if you like hidden contributions are made by players who aren't as you know as as, as celebrated because they score loads of goals or save them. So I guess it's kind of attributing a, a value to a player on a on an objective basis rather than subjective. Yeah, I mean it's it, it's similar to the plus minus uh, situation in 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 base in in basketball. I mean, there's the basketball. There's there's a lot of scoring points, so you can e e easily get uh, uh, get get a points differential with different team uh, team lineups on the on the field. Whereas in football, if it's a nil nil, if it's a nil nil game. The you know the, the the score differential is the same for for every lineup that was on that pitch during that game. Whereas if you have something that you know that that, that goes into it in more detail, you can perhaps start to see, you know, this team was on top for thirty minutes while while this lineup was on the on the field, and you know they they weren't quite as dominant when when this lineup was on the field. And you can do it for their opponents as well. So it, it it's a way of getting a more inc inclusive model as well that goes down to the player level. Yeah, and in terms of like looking at it from recruitment and value, like one of the clubs that does it brilliantly is Brentford. They um, like if if a, if a bid comes in for a player who they value at three million and it's six million, they don't even hesitate to even sell the player because they, as bad as it sounds, that player is an is an asset and they're making a profit on their asset. And the model that, the models that they use allows them to just go and get a almost a ready replacement to come straight into the team for maybe a third or maybe even even less of the price. Um, and they, and you know, for a small club like Brentford, they that's how they get their edge and they stay afloat. So I think for the last um, four years, I think they've made maybe ten million pound profit in the transfer window each year, um, which is which is obviously given them a, a business edge and being able to do all sorts of stuff within the club. Um, and then this year, it looks as though they're spending a little bit more money than usual, so they might actually be having a go this year. But that has all come off the back of successful analytics. Um, within the club whether that's on the pitch because obviously the, the performances on the pitch have been, been really good as well um, and off the pitch yeah I mean it's 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 obvious and, and clear to some I guess the the benefits that data can bring so just a, a question to you both I guess would be what needs to happen for more people to become aware of the benefits of using data um, it's well I mean you know the, uh, the the proof is in 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 the resource if you find it's making you more informed not not just betting you know just watching the game uh, Jake mentioned you know if, if someone shoots from 30 yards there's a very small chance it's going to go in so it, it, it's if, if someone takes a long shot against your team 
it's it, it's really something to be celebrated. And on the unfortunate, you know, one one in one in twenty times it goes in, you may be the person cheering when your team is scored against. But it, it's appreciating how football's played and uh, you know how it you know possibly can be played more efficiently. And it's just looking at it from a different angle, um, rather than just looking at it from a pure football fan and like wanting to see loads of goals and loads of chances at either end and you know saying oh we had 12 more shots than you but if those 12 shots like Mark says have come from a long distance then your your team's actually not had a really good attacking performance there um, you know if one team's created two one-on-ones then that is arguably a much better um, shot sample than, than the other one so um. I mean quite you know, quite often I, t- I talk to fans I was talking to Derby fans all, all last season because you know I, I, live, I live locally to Derby and they were saying yeah we're winning but we're not playing well you know so if you if you, if you can sort of start you know looking at the numbers and you can perhaps explain why their perception that Derby are winning without playing well is is true. You, you you know you can you know then take the dialogue on it. But it comes an interesting discussion for everybody, it, just 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 generally about football. It, it's it's expanded the horizons of how people can you know can discuss football. You know out, out, outside of you know how how they've previously been done. What do you think of that that old cliche? They're winning but they're not playing well. It's a good sign, <laughs> which you hear a lot on uh, from pundits. You know. Grinding out results when they don't deserve it. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, sooner or later your process, of, you know, you, you, your actual results are, are, are approaches the process that, you, you know, you're putting onto the field. So sooner or later, you know, if you've got a good process and, and bad results, it, it catches up with you and you, you get just, you know, perhaps just desserts. Or, you know, if, if, you, if you're overperforming, you know, the 30 yarders don't always go in. Or if you tell Cardiff City fans they didn't deserve to go down last year, but they did... Well, it was very close from the thing between them and Brian. They, they, you know, I mean, there's there's a wide range of finishing positions that teams can can end up in. I think they deserve credit for just at least putting up a fight. Um, you know, Huddersfield and Fulham went down with a bit of a whimper, really, compared to Cardiff. Right, let's get on to expected goals. We've kind of it's been a buzzword already. Um, throughout the podcast um, I guess it will be a bit of a challenge but for uh, either of you can take this on a very short summary for someone who has no idea what it is how do you kind of sell it to them uh, expected goals is chance quality basically if um, it, it tells you how good a chance you, you've had so you know if you're three yards out uh, the ball's at your feet it's a pretty good chance um, if uh, you're you know edge of the uh, narrow angle with a header possibly not you know not as good a chance so it's just a measure of chance quality uh you if, if you say something like you know oh god we should have scored that it's t- you know it tries to put a number on on whether you were whether you um whether your perception is accurate um michael owen on um was was a bt sport pundit and uh, i think it was shakiri scored a goal and uh, owen said that that's a really difficult skill like that's that's a really you know difficult chance to put away even though he was you know one-on-one with the goalkeeper he, and he nailed it didn't he? he said he scores that one in eight i think he's i think he said he scored that whatever it was and i i tweeted that uh in for goals you know, probability was exactly that, and he actually retweeted the tweet and said, I, "At least I know something." So, Infogold has been retweeted by Michael Owen. So, if if if, if that's not an, an endorsement, I, I I I don't know what is. <laughs> and then I guess that's very 
expected goals on a very basic level. And then if we look at how things have developed, I mean, I'm, I'm sure for InfoGoal, things have, have changed along the lines and you've added more components into the model or whatever it might be. So where are we now compared to, say, three, four years ago? Um, there's, there, I mean, there's, we, we do put procedures in, in place to see how the model's performing. We look at actual results compared to predictions to see, you know, that, you know, it's, the model's not drifting. Um, obviously, you know, it's every, everything's ongoing, you know, constantly developing, you know, to uh, as, you know, as more ideas come to people, not, you know, um, you know, you can... Um, you, you you can try and add different components, you know, that that are important to winning a game, and how you can describe that using using the raw data. Yeah, and obviously the ones that we've covered already, like the XG two and the non show XG, they're they're at the forefront now of what what we're looking to expand on, um, integrating those into the model um, to help better the predictions, basically. And then from a writing perspective, Jake, is it something that you're seeing more people write about, more people engage with, and kind of understand and use to their benefit? Yeah, there's definitely more of an interest in it now. Um, you know, when we're if we if we're doing some outsourced content, there there's a lot of interest in like what the expected goals are because obviously everyone's going to have an opinion. Um, and if if you if it's your team that you're following, you're more than likely going to be slightly biased t- towards your team saying, "Oh, you know, we're brilliant and all that." Um, but if you expect, you know, the expected goals just puts a like a almost a stamp on it and says, "Right." It's actual, it's actual numbers and data and figures, so you can actually almost categorise a team and say, right, they're really good going forward. Their process is really strong, but defensively they are really bad. Um, and it just adds a, another layer of information um, using the numbers to help explain what, why we come to the solutions that we do. Early on last, early on last season, uh, Sheffield Wednesday were uh, their process wasn't brilliant. Although they were picking up results, and I think Jake wrote something that uh, Sheffield Wednesday were going to end up uh, finishing nearer the relegation zone than the, uh, the the top of the table that they were they they were approaching at that time, and you got a lot of grief from that. Uh, just and the ironic thing that Jake's a Sheffield Wednesday fan, and uh, two, two two or three months later, Sheffield Wednesday sacked their manager. So yeah, that was um, it. Was just before the final international break, and we were sat. Sheffield Wednesday was sat sixth in the league. Um, go, and we were playing Middlesbrough that following week, the following weekend after the international break. Um, and I think the Infogon model. I think we had I, I don't know maybe ten, fifteen percent edge, um, just because people perceived that Sheffield Wednesday were actually playing well, but we rated as like the eighteenth worst team in the league. And that just followed on from like the previous season where we'd I think we'd won the last five games in a row under this new manager, Jocelyn Hukai, who's who's finally gone um we won the last five and everyone was buzzing thinking oh you know we're gonna have a really good season but the, the actual the expected performances in those games were just terrible so this sort of fall from grace if you like not really fallen from very high but the sort of downward trajectory that we went on after this uh, international break was it was you know it was something that we expected to see you mentioned the term edge there and you kind of you alluded to it earlier as well and i'd just like to know we can explain expected goals to people all day long and, and people can begin to understand it. The next step really is then to actually use it to their benefit. So when it comes to betting, how are we putting the the information that expected goals gives us? How are we putting that into practice and knowing what to bet on? Um, it's, it's it's basically just a Poisson, it's a Poisson model uh, that looks at scoring rates. So um, you, you you take the expected goals, scoring uh, the, the, the rate the team is expected to create uh, uh, 
expected goals. And uh, the uh, you look at the defensive side of, the, of, the, of their opponents, combine the two, and you can you can work out the expected goals for a particular game, and then you can you can use that in, in a Poisson distribution to work out all the correct scores and work out all the correct scores that give uh, one team a win, uh, the match ends up all square, or, or or the other team a win. So and that gives you the way to generate match probabilities uh, from the you know from the raw expected goals, uh, not not just based over the last. You know, five or six games, but you know, based over over a season, weighted to the uh, to the most recent uh, the most recent performances. Uh, and then that is showcasing a probability, um, which is found on the app. If you click onto the match that you want to look at, say it's Sheffield Wednesday versus West Ham, uh, you'll get a probability of each team winning the game, uh, an infocore probability, and then we compare that with that's easily comparable with a, a bookmaker's probabilities. And then if there's a big difference between ours and theirs then that's where we find our edge and then i'm assuming we're kind of looking at 1x2 handicap total goals yeah so um yeah the 1x2 market is the probably one of the bigger ones we're playing um over unders uh obviously because like mark says the poisson generates the different correct scores so it's easy to calculate the you know how many times both teams to score uh, happens out of 100 how many times over two and a half com- happens over 100 um so again we generate probabilities for those uh, and then compare them to bookmakers just to see if there's any value uh, we we also look at long-term markets um i mean there's 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 been a women's world cup there's been uh, the african cup of nations uh, there's been the copper america so we we have we have expected goals data for international sides uh, you can you can then once the draw is known you can you can do the match by match process for, for for each team you can simulate the entire competition and you can see which teams uh, win more often than you know maybe the market suggests and I think uh, Jake did a selection for the Copper America and the uh, African Cup of Nations if you'd like to yeah so yeah. for the Copper America um, obviously Brazil went off really short favourites to win the entire tournament. Um, we wasn't we weren't as bullish on on them as the market was so um, we had to look a little bit further down the list and we we settled on Chile who got to the semi-finals um, and Peru uh, who also got uh, they got to the final they were beaten finalists um, but they were 25 to one each way um, and just just from running the the simulations we you know we found a, a little bit of edge in uh, in backing Peru at such a big price um, and then there was the same for African Cup of Nations with Algeria uh, they were I think 12 to one when 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 I tipped them up. Um, I think we had them about eight to one. So, um, you know, the value, the value is there. And uh, it does show you that even in outright betting, you can find uh, quite a big, a big edge. And then sticking, sticking to betting is, and Jake, you kind of touched upon this earlier, you said about it already being factored into the market or bookmakers using expected goals. Is that a case of them modelling this themselves or do you think they're going out to market and, and getting a, a model pre-made? Um, not 100% sure. Um, I imagine depending on the size of the bookmaker would probably depend on whether they go out, whether they outsource or whether they just, you know, sort it out in their own backyard. Um, but it is something that, that is happening. I think every bookmaker has got a model now just to try and reduce that edge that punters are looking for um, as much as possible. But as I said, every every model is, is different. Um, so even even though they, they are using similar model. Uh, we can we still find quite a bit of edge um, we can we can i mean i mean there's there's no expected goals value and also it's how you process the data how much weight you give to the more recent results how how far back you go you know in 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 time to you know to include uh, the you know uh, old results in 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 your in your ultimate team rating so th- although you know 
creating the expected goals uh, value is very similar. It's, it's then how you treat it to, you know, to go to, you know, to finally get to a, a you know, a probability, a match probability. listeners here that they might have piqued their interest they might already be using expected goals and as you said there's a wide selection of models out there that are kind of maybe spitting out slightly different numbers and going about things a slightly different way i guess it so every, every time there's a discrepancy when someone misses a chance from three yards out is you know yours was 70 percent, theirs was 68 yeah well, it, it begs the question how do you kind of as someone that might use expected goals how do you determine which is the best model how do you kind of pick which figures to go with um yeah i, I say there's there's uh, the, 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 there's a way of looking at the outcomes you know compared to your predictions to see how accurate you are and you know um um if if if, if you if if you're predicting a, a goalkeeper will save you know x number of shots if you you can see you know that he's saving the ones that he should save if you like so and he's letting in the more difficult attempts so that you know your model's well calibrated and it is actually reflect re- reflecting reality at, at at least you know in 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 those kind of aspects of it I mean, we've, we've been very positive so far and kind of talked a lot about the benefits that data can bring and, and how people can use it to their advantage. We are going to get on to the upcoming Premier League season and kind of ask for some, some insight from you two. But before we get to that point, I just want to obviously explain, and, and people are probably already aware of this, that there are dangers when it comes to using data. It's not as, as cut and dry as this is what the expected goals are, therefore this is right, or you should use this. So just can you talk to us a little bit about maybe a warning of, of using data? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's I mean, there's 101 different aspects to a game. I mean, you know, I mean, expected goals model to, at the moment, it's not player-based, so it doesn't know about injuries. Uh, it, it doesn't know about schedule. It doesn't know, for instance, uh, if, if, if Wolves qualify for the uh, group stages of the Europa, uh, the Europa League, uh, next season it, it won't know that Wolves will be playing games on a Thursday and then playing games on a Sunday and in 2011 when Stoke uh, got to the Europa League by virtue of losing the cup final 1-0 to Manchester City uh, thoroughly deserved <laughs> uh, entry in the Europa League uh, they, they they played three away games on a Thursday night and that was followed by three Premiership away games on the Sunday and they were against Norwich if I remember correctly Bolton and Sunderland, and that's that's eight percent of you know of, of of your of your games that year. And Stoke took one point from those three games. Uh, they conceded ten goals and they scored one in the ninetieth minute against ten men Norwich. So that's obviously not factored in when you look at expected goals. It it, it doesn't know fatigue. It doesn't know team lineups. So you know don't you know don't treat it as the holy grail of this is what will happen i'd say from my point of view the main danger would be um, game effects so if you just see a basic uh, expected goal total that looks quite strongly in one team's favor that ended up losing um have a little deeper dive make sure that everything looks okay and then if you have a look again and you see team one three nil they were three nil up in 10 minutes and then just sort of sat back and then the other team was racking up the xg because the other it was literally it was attack versus defense those are the sort of things you've got to be yeah, wary of when you're looking at. Um, so that's why stuff stuff like um, XG step step charts and timelines are quite handy um, because it obviously 
plots it on a minute by minute basis with with the goals, so you can actually see when the goals went in and uh, and then you know you can make a bit more of a uh, informed decision about what's happened. So. I know context is one of your favourite words, Mark, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is all about context. You know, I mean, you go back to, you know, past completion rates. You know, if players are playing uh, square balls uh, across their own box, they're going to have huge, you know, very high past completion rates. Or uh, in the days of Tony Pulis's Stoke, if you're playing, you know, 40-yard balls, you know, via Charlie Adams, you know, cultured left foot down, down the line, you're not going to, uh, you're not going to... Um, complete as many of those so your past completion rate's going to fall so yeah you've, you've, you've got to you know look beyond and as Jake mentioned game effects are, are, are a huge uh, uh, factor of you know if teams teams are in the lead they sit back you know so you uh, if, if you're lucky enough to you know convert chances early you, you know you may not want to win the if you like xg battle in the rest of the game you just want to win the game so ga- game effects are huge and is that something, if we kind of talk about live markets or in-play markets, is that something that you guys are getting involved in or is it because there's so many game effects and it might be a red card completely changes things and can kind of completely undo all the hard work that you've done? Are you avoiding it or are you trying to crack that nut? Yeah, I mean, obviously red cards, you don't know if they're going to happen until they've happened. So <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's quite galling to see value disappear by way of a stray boot. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, you, 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 can, uh, you, you can incorporate game effects, you know, by looking at uh, the, uh, the, the, the pre-game expectation, how it's changed, because game effects don't actually need a goal for, you know, for, for, for the game, uh, game effects to, to kick in. If, you, if you're a, a, a weaker side playing, playing, a, you know, a much stronger side and it's nil-nil, you know, you're you're in a better position, say, after an hour. So you might start going defensively, even though, you know, the scoreline hasn't changed. And conversely, if you're the team that expected to win at the start and, and you, you're only drawing, you know, nil-nil, you know, you are going to, you know, perhaps press forward, take more risks. So, you know, that's, that's the ebb and flow of football. But, you know, you, you, you can start to see it in the numbers and always be aware that these numbers have, are... You know, uh, are are a function of what what actually happened in the game. So one of the things that the Infoil app does offer is uh, in play halftime team talk, which assesses what's happened in the first game from an expected goals point of view, and then looks to see if there's any edge and value get going into the second half. So that is almost an in play betting tool. Um, so that, like I said, that uses like maybe the the expected goals. It'll have a look at the game effects um, and see and just recommend a bet if there is one that, they, that the model thinks is value. Um, like we've had quite a few decent winners last season use, uh, from the half-time team talk. I think one of them was um, Dusseldorf against Bayern Munich. I think it was Dusseldorf for the draw, 80-1 to one at half-time. I think they were 2-1 up, um, and they, I think they drew 3-3. Um, so, you know, it just like that, that was probably quite a, a, a marginal edge, but it was still an edge, and, and it was flagged up by the half-time team talk. So it's quite a decent tool to look at, um, as well as looking on there for your half-time shot map and seeing how the game's going. It does give you like a commentary of the game uh, to advise an in-play bet i mean, I mean val, val, uh, value has always been a buzzword in betting you know since you know people came, became more serious about trying to uh, you know trying trying try to manage the betting and you know if, if you think you've got you think something's going to happen more frequently than than the bookmakers then you know that's where your value lies and then it has to happen ideally of course it has to happen yes yeah um it yeah i mean an 81 80 to one shot still an 80 to one shot so it's going to happen you know very rarely he said not being able to work out the percentage in his head <laughs> right let's let's get on to the the 2019-20 premier league season i mean we've had 
you've talked a bit about Copper America and African Cup of Nations and the, the Women's World Cup. So we've had plenty of action to kind of keep us going while we wait. Um, but we've, we've also had plenty of VAR, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> the fun is yet to come. Yeah. Um, but let's, before we kind of delve into your, your numbers and, and stuff like that, a little bit of a primer, I guess, and what should people be doing to prepare for the season? Are we thinking about transfers are we thinking about looking at just last season's numbers or the season before what we're we doing about teams that are coming up from the championship um yeah, there's 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 a there's a general um uh, co- uh, connection between the amount number of goals you score in the championship the number of goals you score uh when you um, when you move up to the to, to the premier league you uh, generally falls by about 30 percent and you're letting about 60 percent more goals so there there is a connection between between the two leagues um yeah i mean look 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 at last season obviously you know uh, we tend to look at uh uh, ten game rolling trends, so you can see which teams, you know, perhaps finish the, you know, the 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 league, you know, strongly, and and which, where where teams are going, you know, if 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 their actual finishing position was reflective of how well they played over the course of the the whole season. Um, uh, transfers, obviously, you know, the, the the big ones, you know, Hazard going from Chelsea, that is probably going to have a major effect. How how you react to it. Uh, you've got to be careful not to overreact to it. So, uh, we 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 do look at how teams have changed, and you know we may ch- tweak the numbers slightly, but we we do hope to try and uh, let numbers come to uh, uh, you know uh, uh, come towards the performance as as the season progresses, rather than you know having a knee jerk reaction to you know losing one player, however influential they may or may not be. Uh, but Jake. Jake deals with all the you know the player names, the play, the team names. I'm 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 just the numbers guy. I don't know any other players. You could throw out Chelsea. Yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think everybody knows Eden Hazard from Chelsea. Yeah. And then the the other example you've mentioned like transfers, but uh, managerial changes as well, which can be quite um, you know have quite an impact. Obviously, from our point of view, it's hard to speculate as to how a team will perform under a certain manager. Um, so, like Mark says, we just usually tend to let the numbers come to us. We'll adjust them slightly in the way that we think they might go, um, and then after five or ten games then the numbers will have come down or gone up depending on how the expected performances have been. So are you, before the season starts, as I mean guess Jake as a better yourself, are you looking at things from an outright perspective and long term? Are you preparing for game by game and trying to establish who might be undervalued for a, say, four week period while the the market kind of accommodates to their performance? Um, I guess at this stage it is mainly outright. Um, and then as we, the closer we get to the season is, is when I'll, I'll start looking through the, the fixture list uh, and seeing like potentially any run of games that um, that a team has that looks quite friendly. So if they if I don't know West Ham are playing four of the bottom five uh, or four of our expected bottom five um, in a in a stretch, then you know it might be the time to get on board with them ahead of those games. Depend like with it not mattering the results they've had in the previous games. So if they even if they come off the back of I don't know three or four nil defeats to City and Liverpool, and if they're playing like a Norwich or a Sheffield United at home back to back, they're the sort of things you've got to be looking for because after taking a few hits the price might have jumped up a little bit and it might be a bit more a bit more tasty um, but for the time being it is mainly the outrights um, and using the 
the probabilities that we we derive in terms of chance of winning the league, chance of finishing the top six, top four, relegation, and then just seeing if there's any value in any of the uh, those sorts of markets. I mean, we'll have uh, we'll have formulated the team ratings that uh, that we intend to take into the season now, and we'll have simulated the uh, uh, the the whole of the upcoming season as many times as the computer wants to to see the range of finishing positions that teams you know teams uh, uh, might end up in. So you know, there's obviously markets to to finish in or out of the bottom four, and I think last season we um, Jake wasn't particularly. In, uh, impressed with De Gea being a hugely overperforming goalkeeper even though it was season after season and suggested that maybe Man United were a good bet to not make the top four because sooner or later De Gea's figures albeit he had sustained them for a long time and he didn't have well he didn't have a great World Cup that he might you know he might end up being a mere, mere mortal in goal and, and that may impact on Man United's you know perceived chances of, of being in the top four given a bit of a scare though when Solskjaer came in got them very close well I mean a, a mere mortal getting a bumper £350,000 or euros or whatever it is a week's not bad it's been paid on reputation man <laughs> so I guess as we let's kind of delve into the the table what it did look like what it might look like and I guess initially first off the bat is there any kind of teams out there that you think are potentially or going to overperform against expectation? That's a good question because it depends on what the team's expectation is. Um, or do you, you mean our expectation? Yeah. Okay, use, yeah. use the betting. Yeah, if we use use um, use the betting market, and I mean, because we can look at pinnacle and and things like to win the league. It might be if they're a, a say an elite team, or as Mark said, to get relegated if if not so much, or even the the team total season points there so to kind of pitch the league table and uh, yeah i mean i mean man city are still head and shoulders even though they only won the uh, the the title on the on the on the last day of the season uh, they are still head and shoulders um, not head and shoulders above Liverpool but they are above Liverpool uh, Liverpool then there's, there's a gap down to Liverpool and then there's, there's 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 quite a substantial gap down to the likes of Chelsea Spurs Arsenal Man United and quite, perhaps most interestingly is that there is a, 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 a group of about three teams that may uh, make the jump into uh, in, into into mixing it with uh, with the the so-called you know bottom four of the top six. Uh, if 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 you look at the expected uh, the ten game expected uh, goals rolling trends for the likes of Tottenham Arsenal, uh, not so much Chelsea. They 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 started off you know pretty well as 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 champion as potential champions, but they did fall away towards the end of the uh, end of the season. But uh, the 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 trend lines for uh, for Spurs, Arsenal, Man United very similar to the trend lines for the likes of Wolves, Leicester, um, not so much Everton, but you know you you could perhaps include them as a stretch. So the, there is a chance that we may be seeing you know a, a, a slight di- a, a slight mixing of uh, of the teams just under underneath you know the two elite outfits at the moment. And then you mentioned the the rolling kind of ten game trend. There is that. Are we? In terms of sample size, and we're looking ahead to the next season, are we looking at kind of those last kind of final games of the season? Are we looking at the season as a whole? Or? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, we're we're looking at. The, I mean, we can go back, you know, multiple seasons. Uh, we've we've been doing that for three, four seasons. So we've you know we've, we've built up a uh, quite a big database of, uh, of of previous data. But yeah, certainly at, at least the whole season. Yeah, and it's one of those things you've got to be wary of when looking at the ten game uh, rolling averages. If you are looking at the end of the season, there's quite a lot of teams. I'm going to include West Ham again that just sort of aren't playing for anything. So 
their their process will get worse as the season goes on because they're probably playing teams that are actually playing for something, and so they're you know they're on the beach is the phrase that's used quite often. Um, so you have to be a little bit wary. Watford were another one with the FA Cup final. Um, they they just sort of took the foot off the gas when they were safe and then coasted home. So their ten game rolling average looks a lot worse than had it looked if they were still playing for something. The uh, the the ten game rolling average. The the worst two teams for the year. Uh, the about the last eight nine ten games are West Ham and Watford. I'm sure Ben will be pleased to know. <laughs> So you, you you could make a case for you know perhaps tipping them to be in you know in trouble, but you know Jake, Jake has eloquently you know explained why why they weren't particularly trying. <laughs> be good to look at Stoke's rolling average in the Premier League. Um, Stoke, Stoke <laughs> doesn't have a rolling average in the Premier League anymore. <laughs> so we've got you've got Man City as you said not not per se head and shoulders, but quite far above Liverpool, who are also then quite far ahead of of Tottenham. With did you say Chelsea? Yeah. yeah. But a tentative Chelsea at the moment, in terms of from our perspective, just purely based on the stuff we spoke about already, with um, like Lampard coming in, um, who was a manager that, although he got Derby to finish sixth, they were actually the thirteenth best team in our Championship expected table. So it was a huge overperformance there. Um, like Mark said, they shot from everywhere and just seemed to go in. They actually scored fifteen more than what would be expected um, based on the chances that they had. Um, so th- those sort of things we're a little bit um, wary of just starting the season um, and like we said the numbers will come to us eventually if they, if they start off really hot and they pick up where they left off under Maurizio Sarri then you know they'll they'll be a top four team at the end of the season but if there is a if there's a drop off then they'll be they'll be they'll be struggling yeah. but it, it, like Mark said it's much of a muchness between Chelsea Spurs United uh, and Arsenal heading into the season. Um, there isn't too much between them, and then Wolves, Everton, Leicester are not too far behind. I, I, I think we'd be quite bullish on being against, um, you know, the uh, the teams below Manchester City and Liverpool. Uh, just to put Man City's uh, dominance into perspective, um, their their rolling uh, ten game rolling average was at high of, of three uh, three xG per game and a low of two xG per game, and the four teams we've mentioned their highest was barely reached two so th- there's a huge you know gulf between there and there is potential to uh, to see uh, teams likes of wolves you know if, if they don't uh, if they don't uh, suffer a european uh, europa league hangover or particularly i think we like leicester uh, they, uh, they 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 Created more uh, more XG than they uh, they conceded. They they weren't particularly lucky in front of goal, and uh, they weren't particularly lucky at pre- uh, preventing goals, particularly towards the end of the season. Uh, they've, they've got some really good players. They've made some really good buys. Uh, Leicester, I, I I think, if um, they've also. They've also got a recent pedigree of winning the Premier League, which people tend to forget. So I I, I think if you're looking for a team outside of. Uh, the usual suspects who may break into the top six. I, I think we, we're, we're quite keen on Leicester. Yeah, and just to put a number on that, we have uh, we give Leicester a forty-five percent chance of, of finishing in the top six, um, compared to around twenty-two percent from uh, the bookmakers. So you know that that's that's quite a considerable um, considerable betting edge. I guess on the 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 pessimistic side, then and please, without mentioning West Ham, if we look towards the bottom of the table, who? Who are you kind of expecting to really struggle? Um, well, um, uh, Brighton. I mean, it, it, it's no surprise that they were. I mean, they they, they were four, They were seventeenth, um, so they, they only just stayed up. Uh, but their process was uh, awful at the start of the season. It was on par with uh, with a relegated side, if not worse, for at least uh, twenty games. But. 
the chances they were conceding, they weren't being put away by the opposition. So, you know, although their process was terrible, they, you know, they perversely weren't conceding as many goals. And in the first 10 games, they got 40% of their points that they would get at the end of the season. After 20 games, they got 70%. So the, the last sort of 18 games, you know, they, you know, they barely, they barely, barely picked up a point. Um, they they did sort out their defensive process towards the end of the season, but that came at a cost in that they weren't creating any chances at all. Their uh, the chance creation j- j- just dropped off a cliff. So you can see why you know why the decision was made, albeit uh, uh, it was quite a controversial decision at, at the time, and uh, you know people were split on whether it was the right or wrong decision uh, that they parted company with Chris Hooten. Um, so I mean I mean Brighton are the obvious one. Um, Newcastle. Also, uh, they they didn't concede as many goals as their poor defensive uh, performance uh, possibly merited. Uh, they they steadied the ship towards the end of the season, and then they also you know parted company with their their manager, who may may have done quite a bit to keep them up. So Newcastle's process was awful. Um, Burnley's was also very poor at the start of the season, but they did turn it round. So. Um, I, 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 if if you're looking at teams outside the the uh, promoted sides to go down, uh, I, Brighton or, or or Newcastle would be my two because you've told me I can't pick West Ham. <laughs> yeah, and just picking up on what Mark said about Brighton, um, they're a they're a club that are run with analytics in mind. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if if whoever was in charge there looked at the looked at expected goals, even in its just rawest state, and seeing Brighton languishing down in like 18th, 19th in the XG table. So their, per- their performances were actually really poor. Um, so for us, it wasn't a surprise to see Hewton go. Um, and then the interesting thing was a point in Graham Potter, who we actually rated quite highly at Swansea. Um, I think they, f- they finished 10th in the championship, but they were the fourth best team according to expected goals, and they were playing a really attractive brand of football. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how he does there. Uh, he's got some good players that I don't know if Chris Hewton was in charge of buying the players or not, but they've got some good players there. So th- there is there's a, quite a lot of room for improvement in Brighton's process, but as it as things stands now, it needs to be improved. Otherwise, they'll be in a yeah. I mean, they're they're actually owned by Tony Bloom, aren't they? Yeah. Who owns a massive betting syndicate? I'm yeah, sure he knows a thing or two yeah. about using data to his advantage. So that'll be an interesting one. And then I guess away from the the league table, the other outright markets that the betters might be looking at would be the the top goal scorer golden boot obviously it's it's available at, at all bookmakers as well as pinnacle um jake i think you've got some numbers so where where's info goal kind of pitching the big names in the the goal scorer rankings yeah so obviously we had a, a tie for the golden boot last year with salah Aubameyang, and marnie who finished on 23 goals which was quite a lot short of salah's total in uh, in 1718 um out, out of those three, um, like Aubameyang is again is a good shout because Arsenal are a strong attacking team. Um, he was on the end of around 22 expected goals last season, so he, he scored at, a, at an expected rate. Um, and the same could be said for Salah, uh, whereas Mane was running a little bit hot uh, last season. Um, Aguero will be there or thereabouts again, uh, provided that he gets the uh, same amount of minutes as he did last season. Uh, but the interesting one is his rival at Man City, Gabriel Jesus. Uh, if we look at expected goals per 90, um, or even if we could look even closer at non-penalty expected goals per 90, so just raw chances, because he doesn't take penalties at Man City. Um, he was averaging 0.79 non-penalty XG per 90, which is which is the highest in the league um, on a per 90 basis of more than 1,000 minutes. So 
if he if Guardiola does see that it's time for a switch between Aguero and uh, and Jesus and Jesus comes in, like he had a good Copa America, um, so his confidence will be back up. He could be uh, an interesting runner um, in that market. Um, so could Jamie Vardy. We've spoke that we, we quite like Leicester. Um, he, he's he's I think he's did he get fifteen goals last season or there thereabouts fifteen. Um, we're in a in a much more attack minded team under Brendan Rodgers than under Club Well. Um, he, he could benefit from that and from the creative players he's got behind him now in Madison, um, Harvey Barnes, Damari Gray, Yuri Tillemans. They could really, really um, improve their attacking process and he could be the main beneficiary. So, um, yeah, that could be an interesting outside bet. Yeah, Vardy, 18 goals, pretty much in line with expectation. It's yep. um, not a bad shout. Um, I guess you kind of touched upon Jesus there and the kind of battle of the front men. It then brings into the question of you perhaps need a little bit of luck for things to go your way. What's to say that Aguero doesn't pull his hamstring or in pre-season come up and then all of a sudden Jesus is, is leading the line and, and getting the minutes to get the goals? Absolutely, yeah. Um, there could be a lot of that um, plays part this year because obviously we had the World Cup last year after a full season. There's been a Copa America and an African Cup of Nations in which um, Salah, Mane, Aguero and Jesus all participated in, in the summer so they've not really had a summer off so it wouldn't surprise me if, if there were a few injuries picked up by by these um, these players just, just due to the amount of workload that they've, they've undertaken over the last few years um, but yeah, there's the sort of things that you just can't account for, and you need you do need a little bit of luck when it comes to uh, when it comes to betting. Well, we've we've covered the markets um, in some some fair detail, some interesting predictions or some potential selections for the upcoming season. So I think that's a that's a good place for us to call it a day. I just want to say thank you so much for both of you for coming in and recording today's episode. No, thanks for having us. Yeah, no, it's been great fun. Anyone who's interested in finding out more about InfoGoal or using their services, you can visit infogoal.net or follow at InfoGoal app on Twitter. They've also got a great app that's available on iTunes and Android. As always, for anything and everything related to betting, head to pinnacle.com forward slash betting resources and follow at Pinnacle Sports on Twitter. Thanks for listening and bye for now. 